Guest is James Rain on ABC Radio. James, you've got your anthology uh, being yes. being released to celebrate an enormous career yourself, and one that I guess has probably been full of highs and lows, just like everybody else's. Yes, and I think that's the nature of showbiz: the vagaries, the ups and downs, and that's what's kind of interesting. And I think once you get your head around the fact that there are going to be downs, then you can sort of enjoy it. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I've, by and large, absolutely. I'm enjoying it more <laughs> now than I ever have. But, Why? Uh, Why is it better now? Because I've got a – well, I've developed an attitude over the many years I've been doing it where I've just it, – a lot of it amuses – it's amusing. You can't let most of it worry you. There are things – there are some you – know, most of the – well, certainly my generation of the odd people or the people who are in it for the wrong reasons or the – the shifty people, most most of them have been weeded out, but there are still a couple floating around, and you run into them occasionally. And I think, how does this guy, is this person still here? Oh come on, but name, I, you know, name names. No, I'm not going to name names because 
They're usually fairly litigious people anyway. Uh, but um, I just think it's quite amusing. It, it's it's like a crash course in human nature, a lot of it. You know, you see a lot of extremes of human, you know, personality yeah. in a, quite a short time and up close. I, I guess it becomes pretty, um, pretty savage, doesn't it? Because it, once someone starts to have some degree of success, oh, there's a lot of people want to cut of that pie. Yeah, and I think that you're absolutely right, and that's, um, uh, but that seems to be a natural. That's yeah, exactly. And the kind of people that, therefore, that that, that kind of business attracts, by and large. I mean, some, I've, look, I've made some fantastic friends, and there's some wonderful, wonderful people that work in the, that industry. A lot, you know, a lot of the performer pe- type people, um, and most of them, I, I don't think I've I've met hardly any that I would think it. You know, sort of strange, I mean, or in doing it for the wrong reasons, the genuine ones. You know, mm. the ones that are um, the ones with uh, that have some sort of depth or some kind of credibility to do what they do. Are usually b- really bright people, usually really interesting people, and usually have a great sense of humour. My guest is James Rain on ABC Radio. Carol Duncan with you and uh, having a, a conversation about life, the universe and a fabulous career in the Australian music industry. It has been a regular observation, James, one that I love to dig around in with people about how many of our most successful musicians over the last 50, 60 years um, have actually been imports of some sort. We have so many 10-pound mm. poems that we Absolutely. owe a huge part of our music industry to, oh, although yeah. Joe Camilleri said, well, I was a five-pound Maltese, so we got yes. him for half price. Um, yeah. And and you, well, you you're you don't quite fit the ten pound no. pom because your mum 
was Australian. Yes. Uh, but you weren't born here. No, I was born in Nigeria. And funny, the 10-pound pom thing, we've got a lot. To, we owe Adelaide and that, the 10-pound pom into Adelaide. I mean, it, without Adelaide and the, the amount of music that astounds me, a little city like that, the amount of stuff that came out of there, all mm. either British or Scottish-based. Um, but no, I was born in Nigeria because my father was an Englishman and he was in the Royal Marines and he was ADC of the Queen and that sort of background. But he left. He didn't want to be a career soldier. He got a job with BP and he was posted to Nigeria. So and he, my mother and he had just got, were, you know, not long married. And they went to Nigeria. He was posted there and he'd be out in the field and she'd be sitting in a house in Lagos. And my brother and I were both born there. How old were you when you came to Australia? Oh, I think I was three or four. Maybe. Okay, so little itty No, I, No, than the four. Oh, yeah, tiny. And I, ha- I have a very, really vague memory of one little thing in Nigeria, but that's about it. Yeah. So I don't really have any memories. What, what are your memories of falling in love with music? Uh, the f- well, I remember around the time, the first show that really had, I, I remember hearing, uh, I think Credence Clearwater Revival was probably the first band that I can remember, probably things before that, but the first band that I went, wow, what's that? I want to do that. And I think I was probably a maybe that was first 68, 69, so I would have been 10 or 11. That's the first time I heard sort of a, a sound that maybe go, whoa, what's that? Uh, but I'd heard, I'm sure I'd heard things before that. Do you remember what the song was? I'm sure it was probably, you know, Proud Mary or Born on the Bayou or something like that. And then I just was a fan, of, a total fan of John Fogarty's from then on. And are you still? I never lost it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm still, I'm, you know, I, I love all the Credence stuff. I like it a lot, some of his solo stuff. But just, cre- I, again, it's like everybody, it was my formative years. I just love all that. And that led me into all sorts of other things. And then I was just hooked. And I said, there was a great show on the ABC called Room to Move that was hosted by a guy called Chris Winter. Her, and I used to, it was on a, I think it was on a Monday, Sunday night or a Monday night. And that was, and I think it was on it quite late because I remember I used to listen to it under the bed clothes, bed covers, <laughs> on the radio. Yes. And Chris was had a whisper. And then I did, I did a show a few years ago with um, Tracy Hutchison on ABC Two. We did this show called Dig TV, yes. and Chris was our producer. Yeah, and I couldn't. I go, Chris Winter, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. It's, I did the same thing to Chris Winter in a, a Newcastle Street maybe eighteen months ago. And really? Yeah, yes, he's just one of those people, isn't he? Oh, he was brilliant, and that just—I was hooked. Just his whole approach, the music he played, and his whole, just his style on his on-air style was the sort of whisper. You know, it was mm. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So indeed. I fell in love with that, and that was the first sort of album show. And then you start to get into albums, and I had a couple of friends. I had friends at school, and we used to. You know, we consider you know we used to collect albums, and we had a sort of a little folk club and all that sort of stuff. So we got quite serious about it. If you, what would you consider to be your favourite album from being a younger man? Not your favourite album uh, of all time. That's probably a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, I remember. Well, there are so many of them. I remember really falling as a whole album. I, I think, you know, there are Credence records, there are Little Feet records that I loved, the Rikuda records that I loved from back then. Just like Jerry Jeff Walker, John Prine. We used to love Jer- John Prine. But I think the, f- the first time I heard there was an album by Dan Hicks and the Hot Licks yeah. called Last Train to Hicksville. And that is a whole album, as a complete thing. There's not a dud moment on it. So if anyone can get it, Get it. We'll hunt it down and play some for you. Oh, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And then, of course, the whole Dan Hicks and the history of Dan Hicks and his influence. And you know, he was in a, in a band with a guy called Robert Hunter who essentially invented the sort of San Francisco scene. This is before the Grateful Dead and all sorts of stuff. So I, I was I was really into the sort of sociology of it too, the, the, the background, the who, who in, affected who and who influenced who and all that stuff. I was you know big on that. I used to pour over the album cover, you know, the sleeves. Do you Read miss, all the liner notes. Do you miss them? Although there's a resurgence in the vinyl and the sleeve now, which is kind of nice. But for many years there, we've just had the little slick inside a CD case that always mm. breaks. Yes, it does. Um, I don't know if there's t- too much you can put on a li- in liner notes now. They'd be as interesting as they were then because that was your only access because mm-hmm. there wasn't any of the Google or you couldn't do anything back then. Your only access to the, any information about the band was what was on the in the liner notes. Meet me down by the jet till landing 
Where the pontoons bump and spray And all the others reading standing As the manly ferry Cuts its way to circular key Hear the captain blow his whistle So long she's been away I'm a sourly morning wrestle Not a very happy way to start in the day She don't like that kind of behavior She don't like that kind of behavior So throw down your guns Don't be so reckless Throw down your guns Don't be so Feel like Scott of the Antarctic Base camp too far away Russian sub beneath the Arctic Burke and Wills and Camel And the shovels in the tree She don't like that kind of behavior She don't like that kind of behavior So Throw down your guns Don't be so reckless 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 Australian crawl, by the time you are just, what, 20 years of age, you have already been playing in a band, but you rename the band Australian crawl and you start to head out onto the pub circuit. And I guess in many ways, the rest of that story is is history. When you look back now to what you were doing at 18, 19 years of age, do you have any idea what you were doing? No. Having fun, enjoying it, and just doing stuff. Never thinking this. I really, uh, this will be my career, uh, or this will be my job, or this will be something I'll do for you know another thirty or so years and keep doing. Uh, no, just really enjoying just playing. And we weren't very good the first band. We were terrible. But uh, we just you know you got to do your apprenticeship and you learn. You just start learning. But I wasn't aware of it. We're just doing it and just being in the moment. Who who was that twenty year old? How would you describe him now? Oh, the twenty-year-old. Well, see, so the twenty-year-old. That was. I think I was about twenty when Australian Crawl probably started to do a few more gigs, and we had to. I was at the Victorian College of the Arts at the Drama School, and it was about then that we all had to make a decision: Are we going to do what you know, our tertiary courses, or are we going to do this band thing? So it was a little bit not so much serious, but we sort of figured. Well, I guess you've got to make a decision if you're going to do it. You've got to dedicate yourself to it. But the twenty-year-old was, I don't know, he was fairly happy-go-lucky. Big had a big mouth. <laughs> was he confident? I, well, I, no, I just think it was just what well, didn't think in those terms. I didn't think in terms of, I suppose, relatively confident. Yeah, you know, I wasn't walking around going, gee, I'm good. But I think because uh, I, if I saw a real, what I would consider a real band or anybody from a real band somewhere or down the street, I just, they were completely a cut above me. I never thought I'd be in that kind of, rare, you know, breathing that rarefied air. I just thought those, those guys must have an extra gene. Who? You know, Who do you just, remember going seeing? Well, Joe. I'd, oh, Joe, I'd see the Falcons all the time. I'd see the sports. I'd see the Palaco brothers and Joe and Steve Cummings were in the Palaco brothers. Yeah. But I was a huge fan. I used to go to a place we used to see, where we grew up in the Mornington Peninsula. Uh, summertime, they used to have bands would come down and play in the sort of boat clubs down there. And um, every kind of, you know, club had a... a a boathouse that they'd put put up a stage or put bands of playing there. But I used to, when I started um, 
when was my last year of school? I used to go to a place called Reefer Cabaret in Melbourne. It was at a place called the Ormond Hall. And I, the, um, I remember seeing, I loved Ariel and I loved Spectrum and I loved Chain. Uh, I loved all those sort of great 70s Australian bands. I remember going to the My Music Bowl when Thorpey had there, there was 200,000 people there. I was part of that world, you know. I, I was a fan of all that sort of stuff. Um, and and I remember seeing, I used to see, I saw Skyhooks before Shirley joined because I was aware of Shirley. I didn't know him, but I was aware because there was a surf band that played around where we grew up called Frame and Shirley was the singer of that band. And he was such a personality, I was aware of him. Mm. And I used to see Skyhooks before Shirley joined um, Captain Matchbox. That was my sort of, that was the sort of stuff I liked.
Rain joining me on ABC Radio. Carol Duncan with you. I'm about 10 years younger than you, I think, roughly. Near enough's good enough. And so there are a lot of those things that you just described, James, that are people that I never got to see live, certainly, you know, not in the era that you were seeing them. And that's one of the things that I love so much about these conversations um, with our Australian musicians like yourself, because it is this this wonder. It opens a door, and and just lets a little bit of that perhaps um, dodgy reefer filled smell of a time and a place <laughs> <laughs> in into the room. It's wonderful. Well, it's and it was well. That's it's great because it was certainly was a very unique time and a very formative time for Australian music, for Australian you know rock and roll and pop music. And this is pre Countdown or any of that stuff. And uh, there were so many great bands around. Uh, you know, Dingo, the Dingoes, Carson. Car- I was a huge fan of Broderick Smith, and Broderick was uh, oh, in a band called him. Carson. Oh, what a and what a funny man! You know, incredible presence on stage, incredible singer, great harmonica player. And I should go and see him in a band called Carson. It was sort of blues boogie blues band. And uh, and then he formed the, they formed the Dingoes and I used to I used to see as many Dingo shows as I could and there's a, a pub in Paran in Melbourne called the Station Hotel I used to go to the Station Hotel quite a lot and they'd have Saturday afternoon sort of sessions and the Dingoes would often play at that and they just you know devolve into just mayhem but fantastic mayhem. Way out west where the rain don't fall got a job with a company drilling for just to make some change. Living and working on the land 
James Rain joining me on ABC Radio. Carol Duncan with you. And talking about uh, uh, another wonderful part of the Australian music industry, we have done a few interviews um, over the years, many, probably far too many years, and there have been times when I have perhaps detected in your voice, James, um, a a certain dissatisfaction with the big music machines. Well, not necessarily. My only dissatisfaction, and again, I think it's, Music. I think it. I, I'm not as so naive to think that that's just the nature of how it works, and you know they, they you, you're there as long as they you, they need you, and then it's you're not, and that's fine, and that's the way it works. Now, am I? And it's not dissatisfaction. My amusement or my a lot of um, ammunition or a lot of the ammunition that I can get for songwriting is just at people's, just human beings kind of. Um, it's funny, sort of aspirational. And they're so easily impressed. People get so easily impressed if with all sorts of things, not just the entertainment industry. You feed them this stuff. They go, oh wow, that's great. But I think we're all aware now. The media in general, they're fed, you know, they're sort of drip fed what they're supposed to be hearing, and they sort of let. I'm, I'm talking generally. Mm. People seem to lap it up and adopt these opinions. You know, they. It's sort of headline opinions. They read some crappy headline and that becomes their opinion and they know all about it. You go, no, you don't. You haven't studied the situation in the Middle East. You don't know. For instance, so in terms of the uh, entertainment industry, I find a lot of uh, fodder out of the way that people are very and easily impressed and so aspirational about all this sort of silliness. Do you think there's still a large disconnect, as I would certainly suggest there was in the music industry, the record company versus the artist, in the time that I was working most closely in it, uh, between an appreciation of what a musician, an artist, of any sort, a visual artist, for example, but music being the, the case in point yeah. here, um, yeah. and the product... Um, there are, but yes, I agree. There is, there is a disconnect. But I think that's just a fact of the thing, and I think it's probably a bit, in, you know, it's just the way that it is, and it's the way it always has been. It's the way it always will be. And I think the role of the big, big record companies is is getting less and changing. It's certainly changing. They're certainly getting less uh, significant in mm. the scheme of things. They're still there, and they're still, they still, you know, they're still part of it. But I think the disconnect is always between, you know, art and commerce. It's always going to be there. Though we are increasingly seeing a wonderful, what I think is an incredibly healthy relationship being developed between the artist of, again, whatever sort, uh, and their audience or their consumers of their products, uh, particularly via uh, crowdfunding. And this is something I was yeah. chatting about with Kate Miller-Heidke recently about how she, yep. she did this album, Overtigo, independently. And she yep. she put it out there to her fan base and said, well, I'm going to try and do this and it'd be really good if you supported it. And they did. And one of the things that she was saying that she loves about it is that it cuts out the middleman and brings her back into a relationship with the people who love her music. And that's exactly right. And I yes, and she's correct. She's correct. And I think she raised more money than she needed. The, the response was so good. Suddenly, she she thought, "I'll just put this out and see what happens." And within five seconds, she mm. had you know twice the money she needed, which shows that how loyal her fan base is. Um, and I think that is great. I think it's a great way to do it. I didn't quite understand it when it first started happening, but now I sort of do. I thought people put money in. What do they get out of it? You know, it's like but, knowing um, that knowing your baker or knowing that, your butcher right. or whatever. That's exactly right. And uh, yeah, and I think it's a very viable. It's a very and it's a, you know it's a recent development, and I think it's fantastic. You're going to have a go. So, at wh- well, I don't know. Uh, obviously, it's a way to do things. I, I, I'm wondering. You know, if you wanted to get a film up, a, sh- a small film, I think they try. They do. There have been some smaller films in America have been crowdfunded. Mm. I think you probably crowdfund anything if you set your mind to it. Mm. But yes, it's certainly all aspects are open. I think when you want to do stuff like this, I mean, so far the the last four solo records I've made, I've paid for myself and then just licensed them or leased them to a dis- distribution company, which is another way of doing it. It just get it does get quite expensive, and you end up paying for, you know, it, it gets quite expensive, and you're never going to really make your money back. Yeah. Kate referred so, to it as her own little cottage industry. That's right. Well, well you, yeah, I've always called myself the corner shop. <laughs> Indeed. You know, it's you sort of you know, roughly you're sort of a corner shop.
My guest is James Ray on ABC Radio. Do you still love storytelling? I love writing. I like writing more now than I ever have, and I write more than I have. And I think I definitely think I write better because I've just been it's a craft and I've been doing it longer. So I've learned, you know, I've just and I apply more. Um, I apply myself to it more than I ever did. How do you see yourself? It's, it's easy to say James Rain musician, but that's very simplistic. Who are you? Oh, <laughs> I don't really know. I don't think about it too much. In terms of, well, I'd, I'd like to think I'm a writer. I'm a songwriter. And I like to think I'm a, a songwriter who is for always learning and trying to get better and trying to improve the craft. And I'm quite self-critical. Um, but I've always, I've also written a few other things, but I won't talk about them because you, I've learnt you jinx them until these things get up and running. You, you, you jinx them. So I've more long formy kind of things, not a book because I wouldn't do that. But um, but I'm waiting for you to write yours. You're going to write the book. Mine's going to be Carol. a cracker. You're going to be in it. Yeah. Mm. And you're going to, you know, name names and uh, dish the dirt uh-huh. and get a good lawyer. Oh, you bet. There's a whole ABC legal department just sweating on that book. Yeah, anyway. Oh, yeah, my, my stories are perhaps a little bit B-grade. Nick Cave... I don't think so. You worked at the... Yeah, sorry, go on, yeah. Nick Cave is about to release in Australia his 20,000 Days on Earth, and he's another wonderful Australian musician, musician who, sadly, I have come to understand um, a little bit later in life than perhaps I should have, but I, I think I get it now. But he's right. another one of those people who, who delves into writing in all sorts of areas and script writing and, and so mm-hmm. on. And, and you've done... A lot of different things yourself, as well as being a musician. Is is there more that you want to do? Oh, plenty. There's plenty, and we, you know, I've, we've got about five things sort of bubbling along as we speak. But now, you're not going to tell me any of them, are you? Because well, they well, them. Well, Jinx is in the sense, I'll tell you one thing. People, a few times, people said, "James, you've got to write the book." And you go, "I'm not going to write the book. The world doesn't need another, you know, rock." Autobiography, and and as and I think as we said, uh, unless you can, unless you can, you know, unless someone unless someone writes the real book where they name the names and this person did this, and then you, but no you one's going to let that through. Lawyers, yeah, that's correct. So you're going to get this sort of pasteurized version of homogenized something of nothing, you know. So <laughs> then we went on here, and we got in the car, we went on the road, and we did some cocaine. And do you think oh, who wants to hear that <laughs> stuff? You know, it's boring. And it's all been done, and it's been done, you know, to varying degrees of. Um, and that's not that's not to say anything bad about anyone who has written a rock biography, because <laughs> some of them I know, and they're lovely people. And uh, the, well, Mark Seymour's is a great one. That's a great, you know, I loved Mark's. Yeah, and he's a friend, and he's he's a good writer, you know. Um, so I s- stupidly, well, not stupidly, but just. I uh, said to someone one day, "No, no, I'm just going to I'm going to write a TV series," and they went, "Oh, really? That'd be great." And then somebody read it. What I, they'd used that, and someone read it. And said, "Are you you really?" So I wrote this whole thing with my brother. We've written this whole thing. We've written the, the pilot script's written. We've got the whole series is ready to go. <laughs> you just got to get someone to say, "Yeah, we love it," and who isn't going to dumb it down or water it down and make it something that it's not wasn't originally. Oh, James, you wouldn't let that happen. Well, as, you, as you if, try as if you'd let it, that happen. But anyway, every single everyone that reads it has notes. Yes, I think they're more on the moon. You know, but probably it should be. Shouldn't that person be Lebanese? Yeah, let's or, you know, what? Change the name no. of the leading man, shall we? Yeah, or, or, or and the leading man. Let's make it a leading woman mm. because Offspring's doing well at the moment. You go, <laughs> what? Stop it now! Stop. <laughs> it's not the story. Uh, so you, you, uh, we all, one deals with that. But anyway, but. Uh, I always wanted to do Australian Crawl the Musical and make it just, you either do it as a really bad kids play and get kids to play it with these terrible, you know, homemade props, or you do the most stonkingly gay thing you've ever seen. So you've got these chorus lines of, of boys in really tight board shorts. I'd, so that's we do that. I'd, I'd be happy to see either of those. James Rain, you're Thanks the most beautiful cynic. It's always fun to chat with you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carol, very much. So I cancelled my regrets, paid my debts, and I struck out for new horizons. Made sure both my nose and underwear were clean, guess I found myself capsizing. 
couldn't save me from myself Would have thought I couldn't have been more bulletproof Took my tap shoes from the shelf Cause in every heart there skips a little hoof But sure I'm going places Confidence man Remembering the faces Carrying the care I would blow smoke with the show folk In the nick of time I open up my The myriad golden opportunities I fail to recognize. Call me beggar, call me thief. Yes, I live the life of desperate honeymoon. Drag that anchor from the reef. Cause in every heart that bobs a little. No more drinking with the boys Just making princes out of toads And it's one more for the last man standing One more for the Songs as loath companions, what the march of time done stole away. Here's the wailing at the world, and the benefit of my two pennies worth. Now that the blood in me have gone and inherited. There are trouble with their neighbors, trouble with the wife, and they're rattling their sabers and their dreary private life. Right. Capsizing Capsizing